Amen. Get yourself a blue hymnal if you would. We're going to sing number 184. 184. you join me by standing 308.
Amen. Please do be seated. Uh, well, it's good to have everyone here today. We do have quite a few folks out, so let's do be in prayer for those who might be traveling and, and those who are sick. Uh, we had a number of spoken and unspoken prayer requests. Pray for one another. Do be in prayer for our missionaries to Scotland, if you will, and uh, keep them in our prayers, if you would. And um, do be in prayer for the revival next week. Going to start next week. Brother Jeremy Taylor is going to be here with his family. Uh, I think you're going to love Jeremy Taylor. So please do be in prayer for the meetings. Be preparation for attendance. And uh, it's going all the way from Sunday through Friday. And so we encourage you to be here for all of that. I, uh, I intentionally did a full week one. I know it might be hard for us to do a whole week. But uh, I didn't want us getting in the habit of four-day revivals. And so I promise you this, you're going to enjoy his preaching. He's going to be a challenge to you. And um, uh, the list back there for meals or if you want to do desserts or something like that is still up there. So please do let people know. And then uh, talk to Mindy if you need any, have any questions. And then, men, I need to meet with us tonight. We need to have a, a short men's meeting tonight. Uh, the deacons got together last week, but we need to vote on a couple of things uh, moving forward. And so, men, if you could plan on being here for a little bit after the evening service, uh, be in plan on special music preparation and stuff like that. And uh, so, uh, if you would, we're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings if our men will come to receive those. Brother Richard, if you would, ask the Lord's blessing, please. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, again, thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, each one that came out today. Be with our offering. Help it to go to its kingdom and use it. Yes, Father. Uh, Lord, today. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's go to number 
We'll sing number Bravely. 
singing. All right, I'd like you to turn with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. One of the great joys for me in studying my Bible is when you see a portion of Scripture afresh. And uh, that's the way it was for John chapter 8 this week in the sense that Whenever we go to John chapter 8, just look real quick. And usually, all you ever get out of John chapter 8 is the woman caught in adultery and how Jesus dealt with it. And to be quite honest with you, that was just kind of a launching off point for the rest of the chapter. And we're going to see that here this morning. I, I'm assuming that you are familiar with that. If not, go back and get yourself familiar. Verses 1 through 11. Talk about uh, the woman caught in adultery and Jesus writing in the in the earth, and, and uh, them all being convicted and going off from the oldest to the youngest one by one until only Jesus, who was without conviction for sin because he was without sin. Amen? And he alone could sit there and say, where are those thine accusers? And uh, no man, Lord, he says, well, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Amen? And so you're familiar with that portion of Scripture and the wonderful message of grace, the hypocrisy of the judgment that was taking place there. But the thing that you need to maybe see and, and, and remember is chapter 8 really began in chapter 7. And you remember what is happening is, is Jesus is being attacked by the scribes and the Pharisees. And they're basically saying this, is we don't believe in him, we need to run him off. And, and many times it talked about he had to pass through them, meaning they had every intention of killing him, but his time wasn't yet. And and, and, and if you will, uh, they went and they said, go and arrest him. And, and, the, and the arresting officers went and they saw what he was doing and they heard what he was teaching. And they said, they said never man speak like this. They said, is not this the Christ? If Christ comes, is he going to do any more miracles than this man has done? And they said, are, are you deceived also? And the scribes of the Pharisees, how, how can you be so deceived? And, and if you will, Nicodemus steps up to the plate. And Nicodemus asks a powerful question that in many ways, chapter 8 answers, okay? They, see, they want to put him on trial for his life. And the wonderful thing about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is a lot of people would love to talk about him being a victim through these times. But folks, I want you to know something. Jesus Christ was in charge every step of the way. He is our great God and our Savior, amen? He is not a victim. He is one who laid down his life willingly, a ransom for many. He loved us, Amen. And, uh, and so, if you will, uh, I want you to see that. Notice in John chapter 7, I want to begin in verse 50. We're just going to read that question from Nicodemus. And it says there, it says, Nicodemus saith unto them, he that came to Jesus by night being one of them, doth our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he doeth? By the way, we just looked at that in, in, in Sunday school here in the adult class. Listen, God gave a lot of laws, but he also talked about how trials were to be conducted and people were to get a fair shake, if you will. And, he, and he's, he's essentially saying this. He says, we've not given this man a fair hearing. And, and, and so, if you will, he says, is that the way we do things around here? And, 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 and if you will, verse 52, And they answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee arises no prophet. By the way, all they got to do is read a little bit, and they'll find out, yeah, there was going to be a prophet out of Galilee. Amen. 
one of the great prophecies. I won't go there for sake of time. But my whole point is this, is he says this. He says, listen, we need to give him a fair trial. And they said, okay, we'll give him a fair trial. And folks, in the very next day, the Bible says that he had went up and early in the morning, before it was break of day, he went back down into the temple and he began to sit down, he began to teach and uh, they began to hear him. And, and of course, they were going to come and they were going to sabotage that. Why? Because they're going to put him on trial. And folks, that's the reason that they took the woman caught in adultery and threw him right in front of him and, and said, now, what is your judgment? She was caught in adultery in the very act. Okay. And if you will, the first thing that we see in, in John chapter 8 is we see that it was a self-incriminating trial. You realize the whole purpose for the trial was just so the fact that uh, Jesus Christ could condemn himself. Now, in the United States of America, we have what, the Fifth Amendment? Is that right? Fifth Amendment. We have the, 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 the what's the first ten called? The Bill of Rights. There we go. Uh, and they said, we'll not pass a constitution unless we also have some rights associated with it. And by the way, you ought to be very thankful for that because we're benefiting from that right here this morning. Amen. But the fifth one is this. You don't have to condemn yourself in testimony. I'm taking the fifth. I'm pleading the fifth. You're going to make a case. Make it with somebody else. But I'm not going to take and listen, that's exactly what they were trying to do. They were trying to get him, if you will, to condemn himself so that either the Jews could write him off and say, see, he doesn't even believe the law. Or they could get the Romans to take and say, he did what? He doesn't have the right to do that. Execute him. And either way, they're shed of their problem. And so, if you will, we see that they had a self-incriminating trial brought to Jesus, brought simply to get Jesus convicted. Like I said, the scribes and the Pharisees, if he failed to condemn adultery, he could have said, oh, I'll just go and you'll be okay. No, 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 you didn't keep the law. Boom, you're guilty, okay? Or if the Roman government, uh, by saying, condemn her to death, hey, you don't have that authority, okay? Now, they had it in the, if you will, the law, but they were not being ruled by that law. They were being ruled by Roman law, okay? And if you will, the Romans were very strict about how uh, you administered their law. Now, they were the ones convicted by the conscience of their own sins. Notice what they said. They put Jesus on trial, but who walked away convicted? Look what the Bible says in verse 9. The Bible says in John chapter 8 and verse 9, the Bible says, And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one. Amen? And folks, let me tell you something. If you put Jesus on trial, you're going to be the one that walks out convicted. Why? Because he's our great God and our Savior. He's the, perfect, he's the perfect son of man. Amen. He is God in the flesh. Amen. He is tempted in all ways such as we yet without sin. Amen. That's who our God is. And yet the sad truth is that we live in a world that put Jesus on trial all the time. Because if they can find some chink in his armor, they can say, see, I don't have to believe in him. And by the way, that's exactly the kind of trial that was being taken place here with this woman caught in adultery. You know, this was a clever and a well-conceived trap. No doubt this technique had worked before. There's no doubt in my mind that in times past when they had tried to destroy an enemy, they had, he had brought a similar scheme or a similar plan where they would have to, could, what is the word I'm looking for? The Fifth Amendment. Somebody help me law degree people. Do we don't have any lawyers in here? Come on now. <laughs> Self-incrimination. Thank you. They're trying to get him to incriminate himself and he wouldn't do it. Amen. I want you to think about this. And, and I think it's important. I've already made mention of it. But, folks, Jesus was in control of this situation every step of the way. I want you to think about this. You remember they said, we got to kill Jesus. And they said, but not on the feast day. Anybody know what day he was crucified on? 
is crucified on a feast day. You know why? Because it had to fulfill all righteousness. And folks, you could say, well, they were in charge. They, they were the one driving the bus. No, no, he's the one that said this. He says, I know one of you is going to betray me. So Judas, that thou doest, do quickly. Was he in charge? I mean, is it fully in charge at the time? He knew what was going to happen. He knew what he had come to the earth for. And so if you will, uh, to think that Jesus wasn't in charge here, uh, they thought that they were going to take and, and, and pull some trick so they could destroy him. Folks, I, I want you to think about this. Uh, Jesus Christ is greater than our enemy. We might want to remember that in our trials and our difficulties. Amen. Uh, these are some verses you might have memorized. You can turn there if you want to. You don't have to. But it's 1 John 4, 4. The Bible says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Say it with me. You guys know it. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Well, folks, I want you to know, if Christ be in you, the hope of glory, if you're a truly saved individual, listen, Jesus Christ is greater than your enemy. Amen? And so if you will, we've got to realize that our God is greater than the devil. Amen? You know, and, and think about this. Boy, they thought they had such a wonderful scheme. They, they said, oh, this plan has worked before, and we've tricked other people, and oh, we're going to get him. Well, folks, think about this. All they were doing was accomplishing Jesus' perfect will and perfect timing. You know how I know that? Well, the Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 9. The Bible says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Folks, you're not going to outsmart God. You're not going to outsmart God. And so, if you will, they held this self-incriminating trial. And to be quite honest with you, usually when we come to this chapter, this is all we focus on. I mean, at John chapter 8, you would think about the, the woman caught in adultery. But I, I want you to see this, that if you will, Jesus now turns the tables. He says, you put me on trial. By the way, I passed. I win. <laughs> By the way, did he win? Yeah, he absolutely won. He says, your turn. I got to tell you, I love when God does that. Man, any of y'all tired of the bad guys winning? Uh, have you read the end of the book? <laughs> He's going to turn it around, amen? And, and so if you will, uh, what, what kind of trial was he trying to do? Folks, i tell you what he's trying to do. He's saying, you judged me, and if you will, you're trying to figure out who I am. Am I the Christ? Am I, am I God in the flesh? Am I, who, am, I the, uh, am I the Father's Son? Am I all the questions that took place in chapter 7? Okay? He says, you, you've grilled me about, am I that person? I'm telling you, I am that person. But let's see what kind of person you are. Okay? And so now he puts them on trial. Uh, um, I'm going to use a fancy word here. Please uh, forgive me, but it's called juxtaposition, meaning God continually puts things side by side for you to notice something there. Isn't it very interesting that he talks about a woman caught in adultery, and what's the very first thing he says after that? Go, if you will, now to verse 12. John chapter 8, and verse 12, the Bible says this, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. Now, folks, I'm just, I'm just telling you, doesn't that seem like a pretty good gear shift? You guys ever misshifted? I mean, it just seems like he overshifted there, didn't it? No. He, he's trying to make a point here. We'll, we'll talk about this. In, 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 in verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. He says, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. But they're saying, you're just a big liar. You, you, you're, everything you say is false. He said, really? Well, let's deal with that. Okay, let's deal with that. You see, 
Jesus, uh, uh, this, this trial identified who Jesus is and who his detractors are. Jesus is the light and they are the, by the way, what's the opposite of light? Can, can we measure how dark it is in this room? Can we? Can you? You guys got a measuring device that can measure how dark it is in here? Please take this the right way. I'm not trying to be overly clever here. I'm trying to tell you this. Folks, there's no way to measure darkness. You can only measure light. Darkness doesn't even really exist. Because darkness, in a sense, is absence of light. Okay? See, the Bible talks about this, and, and Jesus is trying to make a point here. And so Jesus says this, Jesus is the light. When was he the light? Was he the light from the beginning? I was studying uh, with somebody the other day about Genesis chapter 1, and we were talking about the first day of creation, and, and God created the heaven and the earth. Amen? Is that what he created? By the way, just, just a little thing. didn't create the heavens and the earth. He created the heaven and the earth. Okay? Anyhow. Uh, just uh, little details. And so the whole point is this. Is the Bible says that the Spirit moved upon the face of the deep, and the Bible says there was darkness, and then God said what? Let there be light, and there was light. And he separated the light from the darkness, and the light became day, and the darkness became night, and the day and the night were the first day. That's Genesis chapters 1, verses 1 through 5. And so if you will, we see that from the beginning, Jesus Christ is the light of this world. What was in this world before light? It was all darkness, and that's because of the absence of light. Get a hold of that, because that's going to be a key thing to understand here in a minute, Okay. And so, if you will, from the beginning, Jesus was the light of the world. Uh, question here, when was the sun, moon, and the stars created? Day four. Day four. My whole point is this. You say, well, where'd the light come from? Jesus Christ is the light. Amen. He just told us this in this passage of Scripture. That the Lord is the light. Amen? And he was the light from the beginning. The Bible teaches us he's the light while he is in this world. Look what the Bible says in chapter 9. Chapter 9. Look at verse 4. And the Bible says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am the world, I am the light of the world. And so, folks, when you come to Jesus, he is light. Now, what? I, I was watching a, a thing, and a guy was trying to explain something. And he asked this question, and it sparked my thought. He says, he said, God created everything, right? So did God create evil? Okay, and so our immediate response is, oh, no, no, okay. Well, he explained it with this. He used this very illustration talking about, Darkness is just the absence of light, and folks, wickedness is just the absence of righteousness. You all understand that? And I thought, man, that's good. That's a good way to understand that. And so when somebody turns from righteousness, it becomes wicked. Who was the first one to do that? Satan and his angels, amen? And so if you will, they went from the light, the righteousness, the perfect good, and the very good creation of God, amen? And they took and they turned from that, and then it became wickedness. He became wickedness, if you will, okay? And so the Bible says, while, God, while Jesus was in the world, he was the light of the world. Meaning, and, 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 and Brother Ron touched on this, listen, there was no sin in him. Can you imagine standing there knowing you're a sinner, 
looking at Jesus and pointing your finger at him saying, you're of the devil. Come on now, amen? And every time he opened his mouth, you were under conviction. By the way, that's why he, they hated him so much. Can I tell you this? And, and I, I, I would hope everybody here is saved. But you know what? Uh, the Bible says that before salvation, we are at enmity with God. We're enemies with God, meaning don't tell me that. I don't want to hear that. Uh, do you guys like being under conviction? It's kind of a trick question, guys. Because I'll tell you this, and, and, and again, Ron addressed it this morning. Anybody go last week without sinning? How many of y'all are glad that you have a God that loves you enough to convict you? Because you're his child. And he says very clearly in the book of Hebrews, if you be without chastisement, you're none of his. Amen? And can I just tell you this? It's good to be under conviction. And you know when you come under conviction the most is when you're in the presence of the Lord. Amen. You get in his book or if the spirit is moving in our services or if the Holy Spirit is working in your heart. Come on now. Amen. And it's a good thing for God to be there. He is the light of the world and he drives the darkness from our lives. He was the light from the beginning. He's the light while he's in the world. And by the way, by the way, we are salt and light in the world. Why? Because we're taking a little piece of Jesus with us. Amen. If there's any light in us, it's because the light of Christ is shining through us. Because there is no good thing dwelling in our flesh. Amen. And so if we're going to take and be that light of the world, we've got to say, Lord, diminish me and exalt yourself. Then the world can take and can see, if you will, him. And then, by the way, uh, he's going to be the light of the world for all eternity in the new heaven and the new earth. Amen. Is there going to be a new sun, moon, and stars? The answer to that question is yes, okay? The Bible says that he's going to take, someday, he's going to take this creation and he's going to wipe it away as a scroll. And I don't know if you've ever seen, you guys ever, you guys know those wristbands you get and you pull them out all straight? And then you go, like that, and they go, you know what I'm talking about? That's exactly what it's talking about. Someday he's going to go, and it's going to go, amen? And then he's going to speak it into existence again, and it's going to be just like it was the first time. It's going to be good, 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 very good. Amen. It's going to be what he wants us to have, amen? And uh, about the sun, moon, and stars, man, the only problem is he had a purpose for the sun, moon, and stars the first time, but they're going to lose their purpose when it comes to the new heaven and the new earth. Uh, go there with me, if you will. Revelation. Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. Look at verse 23. And the Bible says in verse 23, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of the Lord did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their, their glory and honor into it, and the gates of it shall not be shut all by day, for there shall be what? Oh, man, there, that, that is so full of meaning. Meaning what? The light drove the darkness out. Praise God, totally gone. No night there. Amen. Uh, I'm, whew. 
<laughs> that'd be a good thing to fall asleep to, just meditate on that a little bit, amen? And so if you will, if you will, Jesus is the light, they are the darkness. The darkness, again, is the absence of light. That is the soul's condition of the lost man who is at enmity with God. This is the destiny of the lost man. What? Darkness. Folks, get a hold of this. We talked about this. Any of y'all excited for, I don't care what the temperature is tomorrow, sunny days. Woo! Take it. Having said that, there were a couple nice sunny days when it was zero, but I'm just saying, <laughs> I didn't go outside to enjoy them. But anyhow, uh, listen, y'all, y'all enjoy sunny days? Oh, man. Oh, man. Look, if you will, uh, did I already give you the verse here? Matthew chapter 22. Oh, here, here's my point. You ever feel sorry for people who can't go outside? Matthew chapter 22. Look at uh, verse 1. We'll go fast through this. But the Bible says, And Jesus answered and spake unto them again this parable, and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And he sent forth his servants to call them who were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. By the way, who does God want at his wedding? Please take this the right way. He wants everybody there. But he won't force anybody there. Amen? He wants everybody, but he won't force anybody. Okay? In the Bible, you, you know, he, he says, he says, I prepared my dinner and my oxen. Verse 4, he says, and, and all things are ready, come to the marriage. Uh, verse 5 says, but they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. They said, ah, we don't care about your feast. I don't know about you, but that's the next thing on the calendar for me I'm excited about. Well, rapture, amen, but then we get to eat. Amen. I'm just joking. Okay, you don't, I understand. The Bible says in verse 7, it says, But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. You mean I did all this for them? By the way, I didn't have to invite anybody to my wedding. Amen. But I did. Amen. And can you imagine? I mean, it's just what a wonderful preparation. Amen. The Bible says he sent forth his armies to destroy those murderers and burned up their city. Then said he to his servants, he said, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye should find, say it with me, bid to the marriage. So they went out into the highways and gathered together as many as they found, both bad and good. Both what? Bad and good. Meaning what? Folks, it's not our righteousness that gets us in. You know what it is? And this is what they did back in those days. Anybody who was invited, they would come and they would give them a wedding garment. Okay? And it would just tell you, you are invited. You're, you're the welcome guest. We're, we're excited for you to be here. And you would come and you would get your wedding garment and then you would know. And the Bible says the one who was holding the feast looked out and he saw somebody at the wedding who didn't have a garment. And folks, you know what the garment is. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Uh, by the way, how many of y'all think pretty expensive clothing? Amen. And by the way, nothing more expensive than that for us. Amen. And, and, and so if you will, 
uh, the one holding the feast expected his guests to have the garment that he had provided for them. He didn't care what they looked like when they came in the door, but he cared what they looked like when they came to the banquet. God can't have any sin in his presence. It's got to be covered. It's got to be atoned for. It's got to be atoned for by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so in verse 13, when he looks and he says, Sir, where's your wedding garment? Y'all see that? And the Bible says he was what? Speechless. Meaning what? All he could do was go. Why? Because he knew that when he walked through the door, somebody offered him one. Come on. He knew when he walked through the door, somebody offered him. And it wasn't that he was too good and it wasn't that he was too bad because they offered them to everybody who wanted to come. Because he bid them. They were invited. Hey, why can't I have one of those? You can have one. Do you want to come in? Here you go. It's all paid for. Amen. And God says, he doesn't have a wedding garment. It was offered to him. He refused to take it. He tried to come here by force or deception. Come on. Or maybe his own goodness. Hey, I'm too good to wear your wedding garment. Huh? And the master said, you got to wear my wedding garment to eat at my feast. And the Bible says, take him out, verse 14, or I get ahead of myself. And they throw him out into utter what? It says outer. Outer means utter. Okay, and throw him into what kind of darkness? Utter means absolute darkness. Now, a minute ago, I said you can't measure darkness, but I guess you can measure it in one form, absolutely no light. Meaning what, folks? Who is the light of the world? Meaning, folks, this, this is not deep theology. God makes it clear, doesn't he? All the light's going to be over here, and none of the lights over here. The presence of Jesus Christ is in heaven. Going to outshine the sun and make it unnecessary. And folks, have you read the description of hell? Can I ask you a question? And Any of you all ever been judged by your friends for your Christian faith? Maybe mistreated? Maybe couldn't take a job or lost a job because of it? Maybe lost a friend over it? Uh, can I just tell you this? Um, that's the way the devil works. Okay? He's going to take and he's going to do all that he can to make it so that you do not want to take and receive him. Amen? I, I, uh, I see this. I see the darkness as the absence of light. How, how dark is our world becoming? I read an article this last week. And chaplains are people who can get into places that other people can't get, okay? And uh, death row is one of those places, okay? And I don't know if any of you followed it, but they've been trying to execute somebody in Oklahoma here. Did they finally get that done? Does anybody know? I think they did. Um, that man was an atheist, and so he asked for an atheistic chaplain, an atheist chaplain. And the saddest thing was written in that article. He said his greatest challenge was trying to comfort that man without appealing to God. 
Folks, all this stuff is a laughing matter to some people until they face the reality, I'm getting ready to die. Can you imagine what that chaplain told him? Well, you're just going to cease to exist. Well, I got bad news for him. Because he didn't want to even acknowledge, retain God in his knowledge. He became a fool. His foolish heart was darkened. Amen? And if you will, he woke up in a place with no light. It reeked of sulfur. It was a, blame, a flame of torment. So much so that he was just hoping for one drop of water. Have you read Luke 16? Amen? And all he could hear is the screaming, and the only thing he could do to relieve his pain was to gnaw on his tongue. It was the one thing in his control. Amen? How many of y'all are looking forward to going to heaven? How many of y'all realize that your friends and your family and your neighbors who are like that foolish atheist are going to end up someday in a place that is without light, utter darkness. We talk about, wouldn't it be good to be able to just for a moment peel back the veil of hell? And I think a lot of us think we're going to see a burning fire. But to be quite honest with you, I think what you're going to see is utter darkness. Amen? By the way, I mean, just hit my head. The hottest place in the universe is utter darkness called a black hole. It's the hottest place in the universe. Okay? If you want to go there. My whole point is this, is that's not a place I want them to go. Amen? Now, I don't care about their manipulations and I don't care about their tricks and I don't care how they're always standing against you. I think that Jesus had compassion on that woman caught in adultery. Amen? Go get the good and the bad. You're bad. Don't do it anymore. Wouldn't you love to hear the rest of that story if she truly got saved, though? Oh, that'd be a wonderful story. Folks, Jesus is the true witness, and they are the false ones. Go back to our text, if you will, John chapter 8. And here's what I want you to see. They accused him of only being one witness when the law required two. Look what it says in verse 13. The Bible says, The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. Where was the only place you needed two witnesses? It was in a court of law. Okay? And so what they're saying is, you're just one man. You're, what you're saying can't be true because there's only one witness. Now, it's interesting to me they didn't bring two witnesses to condemn the woman caught in adultery. They also didn't bring the man who was participating with her. They'd already, we, we talked about this morning in our adult Sunday school class, how that God expected a fair and a proper trial to be conducted if you're going to condemn somebody. Amen? And, and, and they had already violated that. They had already taken, and all they had to do is read the text that we looked at this morning in Exodus and seeing how that they had tried to twist judgment or wrest judgment and convict an innocent man. They didn't care about justice. But when it came time for him to make his case, you're a liar, you only have one witness. And Jesus says, no, I got more than that. I got more than that. I think it's important for us to think about this. Jesus had much better than two witnesses. He had five. 
He had five. You say, hey, he's got five? Yeah, let's look at him. Number one, verse 14, he had his own witness. Amen? It's Jesus Christ, the Bible says in, in John chapter 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth. And so whenever he speaks, is he speaking truth? He doesn't need a witness because he is truth. Amen? Having said that, he said, I'll accommodate you. Amen? Uh, again, look at verse 14 and 15. The Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true, for I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. He says, I know where I'm coming and going. You have no idea. But I, 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 at least I'm telling you the truth. Ye judge after the flesh. He says, I judge no man. He says, you're judging like a man. He says, I, I'm not judging like a man. I, in a sense, I'm judging like God. Okay? He had his own witness because he had the truth. He had John the Baptist. And I want you to keep your place here, but turn back to John chapter 5, because this is where you get all five of them. Okay? John chapter 5. In verse 31, he had John the Baptist. By the way, did John the Baptist say that he was the Messiah? He was the... He was the, help me now, he was the, say it again, there you go, Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, couldn't get it out of my, out of my head, it was in there, it was rattling around, amen, but that's what John the Baptist said, he had already given the testimony, this is your Messiah, this is your Savior, amen, and so if you will, in uh, John chapter 5 verse 31, the Bible says this, it says, our fathers did eat, did I give you the right one, that doesn't look, oh that's six, that's why. Sorry. He says, uh, verse 31, he says, If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that beareth witness of me. And I know that the witness which he witnessed of me is true. You sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. And so if you will, he says, I'm God, I'm telling you the truth. He says, John the Baptist, he says, told you the truth. And the Bible tells us that he had a father. Look in verse 37. In verse 37, the Bible says, And the father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me. Uh, you remember this? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And listen, more than one person heard that. They had opportunity to witness that. And so he's, he says, I need two witnesses. He says, I've witnessed myself because I'm the truth. Uh, John the Baptist has witnessed of me. My own father has witnessed of me. And in verse 36, he says, my miracles witness of me. Uh, folks, one of the reasons they were so upset with him is because he had fed the 5,000 and then he had healed that lame man, made him walk on the Sabbath day. He says, those miracles witness of who I am. Amen. But more than anything, and here's where we are today. Look at verse 39, because this is the fifth witness. The Bible says this, he says, search the scriptures. For in them you think that you have eternal life, say it with me, and they are they which testify of me. You know what he's saying? He's saying you have every opportunity to know exactly who I am, and if you want two witnesses, I'll give you five. Amen. I got to tell you, I, I, I love the Lord. He, he doesn't mess around. Amen. You need evidence, I'll give you evidence. And can I give you one more? Source of evidence. If uh, the Lord hadn't saved my soul, you wouldn't want to have known me. Amen? The work of redemption that God can do in a life. Amen. Take that old sinful lump of clay and slowly mold him to be conformed to the image of himself. And this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Why? Because this world is in darkness, and it's doing all that it can to take and to squeeze the light out of this world. And the Lord is doing all that he can to get just one more.
I, I love when he says, compel them to come in and get the good and the bad. Those who think they're too good to need salvation, need salvation. And those who think they're too bad to ever be saved, God will give them salvation. He looked at that woman caught in adultery and he says, I don't condemn you. Amen. Now I will tell you this, there will be a day. There will be a day. And I, I trust maybe everybody here is saved. But how, how many of y'all have someone that you love? You know it's not. And I don't know about you. I think time's getting short. I'll give you one opinion. You'll forgive me for it because this is just my opinion. But folks, COVID has transitioned our world. Where that we're worn out. We're overwrought. We live in a world full of people who are afraid and have no answers. Amen. We've become more distant as a society, as families, even as churches. Amen. And this world, the best thing that could happen is Jesus could come again. But Jesus isn't coming until he gets that one last one. That one last one. You know what that tells me? There's still a chance. There's still hope. And I don't know about you, but as long as there's hope. Amen. Jesus stood up to the trial and would to God that we could have the wisdom that he had. Amen. Would to God that we could stand against the attacks that the devil does. Amen. But let's always remember, we're on the winning team. There's enough evidence out there to point people to God. Amen. And would to God that we could make a difference even this week ahead. Let's all stand if you would. Let's all stand. Let's sing number 241. Maybe you got somebody you'd like to come pray for. 241, you come as we sing.